Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. In my early years as a Christian, I loved these epistles and just enjoyed reading them. It kind of made me feel like I was getting to know and, and gaining some history to the covenant that I came into and just learning the communities, learning the regions there. And, and I think Paul did an incredible job addressing these people. And he was very serious. He was very forthright. He was very straight to the point. And you would find him in each one of the epistles that he wrote, and uh, whether it be Romans or, or Galatians or Ephesians, he, was, uh, he would say, the same thing in essence, but in a unique way, in a, in a very unique way. He was not stuck of just saying the same thing over and over again, but he was presenting the same gospel. He was presenting the same truths. He was presenting uh, from a revelatory relationship with Jesus Christ. He was exuding while he was exhorting the people there. And it was a beautiful thing to watch his life. And so he tells us in Galatians chapter 1, he said, I'm, I'm an apostle. He said, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all brethren who are with me. In verse 3, he's stating to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who gave himself for our sins. I'm going to tie into the package deal for this second, if you're here Sunday morning, is that you have here Jesus who was given by God through the Holy Spirit is now giving himself. I told you this gift just keeps on giving and giving and giving. And I think sometimes we've done damage in Christianity by emphasizing giving only in a monetary sense or a financial means there instead of learning to give of ourselves, to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, to put ourselves in somebody else's. Uh, our little son, David, uh, was always this way, not little much anymore, but uh, something was going wrong. He, he would be willing to take somebody else's punishment. He did not want to see anybody get in trouble. Now, he's not altogether that way anymore. It's grown out of some of that, okay, just a little bit, but uh, he's, he's starting to reason a little bit more. He's like, you're responsible for that, you know, uh, but he was always in that place. He's very merciful. He has a gift of mercy, and he, and he, and he protects people. He gets that from me. He gets that predominantly from me. Uh, no, he gets it from Gretchen, Gretchen, but um, Jesus gave himself, and I think that's something to, to consider in our lives, how much of ourselves do we give? How much of ourselves do we, do we dispense into other people's lives? Not how much of what we have, but how much of ourself do we give? And so he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. I want you to remember this sentence. We're going to get back to it in just a little bit, but I just want to kind of touch on this. He did this for a purpose. 
He, he did this for a purpose because this present evil age that we're living in, that they were living in in that time there, uh, could easily persuade them and sway them into sin and into disobedience and into unruliness and just um, immorality and hatred and jealousy and pride. Pride was, was one of the big issues in that time also is that people started to think they knew more than God knew. They started to think that they knew there could be another way and they could design another way. So Paul is dealing with stuff that we failed to deal with for years as a church and have led other religions and other teachings and other uh, um, uh, expository uh, views creep into the church that are deceptive. Lascivious. I mean, they they give a license to sin, and they just there's so many things that they let in. There's notice when they wrote this book. I'm just teaching tonight. Hang with me. When they wrote this letter, which became a book to you and I, uh, it was wrote to the written to the churches in Galatia. Now, if you could take my sermon and somebody else's sermon and five other sermons in this city and put them all together, and people may say, I don't agree with that. That does not line up because they have a different gospel or different uh, scriptural or a different religious view of something. That's very true across the board, across the board. And so Paul is addressing uh, some false doctrines. But the way he's addressing it is not pointing out other people and pointing fingers at them. He's saying, you need to take care of your responsibility. It's your responsibility to stay the course. It's your responsibility uh, to stay true. It's your responsibility to stay, uh, uh, to be free from this evil present age. And I'm giving you a way out of that. He says, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus is saying, I'm, I can get you out of this evil present age. I can deliver you. I can save you. I can give my all for you. I can leave, leave it all on the field, right? And he did, right? We sang about him being buried for three days, but yet he rose, right? He gave it all. He said, but you know what? I'm going to give even more than that. Did you notice that? So I'm going to give him the glory for it. I'm going to give him the glory for it. To God be all the glory. Not the preacher, not the teacher, not the author, not the singer, not the... When you think you've given all, there's still more we can give. This is the very nature of God, is to give. Is to give. He gives us breath. He gives us blood. He, he gives us, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He gives us mates. I mean, I mean it's, it's just like giving and giving and giving and giving. And we get to a tendency sometimes, we get to a place where we're like, well, I, I don't have anything else to give. Give him glory. It doesn't cost you anything, right? Give him glory. Give him the praise. Give him the, the honor for what has been done. Verse 6. Paul says, I marvel. Uh, marvel is a big word. It's an, it, I'm astounded. I'm amazed. I'm, I just, I'm breathtaking. This is, you know, I just, I can't really wrap my mind around it. I said, I marveled that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ. Let me point something out here you don't just get saved there's more and because listen to me because we have a limited view of Christianity we have a limited release and giving of ourselves remember he gave all and he gave more but see we have this mindset we're just saved 
and that's good enough. He said, no, 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 you're called. We ain't grabbing. The fish ain't biting tonight, Brother Ken. The fish ain't biting tonight. We are called of God into this grace. We are not just saved from this present evil age. We're delivered to be used by God. It's a calling on our life. It's a calling. So, but because we have the mindset, I'm saved and that's good enough, that's why we have the limit of, of our liberality to give, to give of ourselves. Because we think that's enough. Because we think that's enough. And there's so much more to Christianity. If you've been around, been around this ministry or perhaps my ministry long enough, you realize that there's something that's always in it. There's more. It's not just a, a once-and-done lifestyle. There's more to this. You are called. Into this grace, he said, I'm, I'm amazed how you have gone to a different gospel. From the very get-go, there's been different gospels, different messages. Now, you have to weigh out because the gospel means the gospel. And he said it's a different gospel. It means good news. What we have a tendency is, I want to go somewhere I can get what's good news to me. And we can, right? We can find other good news in other places and find it the way, well, that's, that's good with me. Again, we're limiting the functionality, not only of God in our lives, but our lives in Christ. When we put a limitation on there. I'm trying to get to verse 10. But even if we or an angel from heaven, notice what Paul's saying here. I love his humility. He said, even if we, Paul normally had a group of people with him. I wouldn't say an entourage, but some disciples, some helpers, some co-laborers would be a better way. That's what he would say. Co-laborers of Christ would be traveling them. And sometimes they even wrote the letter together. Imagine that concept, you know, just pitching in and saying, well, what if we said this? And what if we said that? You know, it's in this conversation, would have been a beautiful thing to, to see happen. And so here he is, he's, he's going through this and he says, even if we, in other words, he's saying, I realize I could get swayed too. And I don't have the market on this thing. I could start teaching the wrong thing. I'm sure I've shared with you before, my sons and I, Spencer and Stuart, were having lunch together one day, and, and we're talking about some situations and some issues in, in church and in church at large and just in the Christian uh, community. And, and, uh, and Spencer asked me, he said, Dad? I said, yeah. He said, do you ever wonder if it's, maybe it's us and it's not them? Maybe it's us that's wrong and not that or not what they're doing? And we were talking about something pretty pretty extreme like drunkenness and 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 in church and 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 uh, heavy drinking and stuff like that and and when I answered him I, I answered as such I said every day every day every day I want to make sure I check myself that I haven't gotten haughty puffed up and think that I can twist the gospel however I want it and make it out to be something there. I'm not saying I'm a perfect man. And if you don't, if you you think that I am, talk to Gretchen, okay? Like that's instead of meeting with her. But Paul is being humble enough to say, hey, he said, even if we were to preach it, I've said this uh, from day one in ministry. God forbid, but if I were to stumble and fall, if I were to be unfaithful, 
if I were to be immoral, if I were to be financially uh, greedy, whatever it is, if I were, let me tell you something. He's still God. Jesus is still the truth, the way and truth. Don't you left, let my failure become yours. Become your what? Your excuse. I've come to find this so often. Things happen in church, and it gives people their excuse to run from it, to go somewhere else and to, and to be somewhere else. But listen, don't, don't, let, don't let the preacher, even if I were to preach something wrong to you, the truth is still the truth. The Word of God is still true. Amen? Are you with me? He said, whether even I, this is interesting, or an angel from heaven. Kind of makes you think of 1 Kings 13. He said, or I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be. I told you he's a little forthright here. He said, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone you preaches on another gospel, then that, let me get back to it. As any, excuse me, as I've said before, I want to say something there. This is not necessarily him referring to the verse in front of the verse. He's making reference to other times he's been with them and other times he's addressed them. And he's cautioning them because it seems like they were a little quick to go to something else. A little quick to turn to some, some other news that they wanted. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. He's being pretty straightforward about that. And I think that we need to take our pulpits very seriously. I think we need to take our our pupils very, very seriously. I think we need to know the truth uh, from the false. I think that we need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. Verse 10 is where I wanted to get to. And then we'll get to the sermon. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, did you hear what he said? For if I still pleased men. Paul is in essence letting us know that when he was Saul, it was all about man pleasing. All about man pleasing. And he was quick to let us know that when he was converted, so what is his theology? That all had to go go with it. All that religious training of man pleasing and trying to climb the ladder and get to a more successful place. He kind of put all that aside. I've watched for years in church ministry that people go from one to another to another to another. I've seen it in sporting events. People just going and, and, and being at this school, and then they get an opportunity at that school, then they get an opportunity at that job, or whatever it is, trying to climb this ladder of success. Success, I believe in ministry, is when the ones behind you excel beyond you. They go further than you. Uh, they carry out, they live out what is happening. Are you with me? So he said, if I'm persuading men, am I persuading men or God? He said, if I still. So he used to, but then he makes his point. He said, am I persuading man or God? Can we persuade God? Can we be persuasive? I believe it. I believe we can. Matter of fact, Jesus said at one time, remember what Paul said, I marvel. 
I marvel. Have you ever been under a teacher or been read something out of a book and then you pick up a, a slogan or you just pick up a saying or you just pick up, you pick up a, an expression? Have you ever done that before and it becomes part of your terminology? Yeah. Jesus marveled at that man's faith, that centurion soldier. He said, he said I'm, I'm marveled. He said, you marvel me. He said, you have so great a faith. I've never seen anything like this in all of Israel. So Paul starts to realize when he reads it, there's something beyond Israel. There's something beyond my religious being here. And he says, now I'm marveled the other way. Could you imagine getting so transformed and so converted that you're now turning and seeing the other side of things and it amazes you? So yes, we can be persuasive. We can turn the heart of God. There are times when people would come up to Jesus and call on him and ask him to go with them and he would turn and go with them. He would literally follow them to where they're going. That's persuasive drawing there. Do you remember the, the Shumanite woman and, and uh, uh, that, that they built the, the little room on the side of their house? She said, oh, that we may persuade the man of God to come in there. Are you with me? So I think we need to, could you imagine if we use the energy we use to persuade people to persuade God? Could you imagine? You know, I mean, there are things, and I'm not saying all man persuasion is, is, is bad. And watch what I'm saying here. I want to persuade Gretchen to love me more than that boyfriend she was dating for five years before she met me. And I did. I did, okay? And, and y'all supposed to cheer me on here a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Y'all like, bless the girl's heart. <laughs> so sorry for, you know. But there's a way to be that way. Uh, but we, we want to, if we could use the energies we use in this world to be persuasive, I think we could turn God. Watch this. I've known of situations, I've been caught in it before. It's happened to me before. That somebody told me a lie about a product and they persuaded me with a lie to purchase the product. Well, what I need to take out of that is that I could use the truth to persuade somebody to believe the truth. I can get the same results, but doing it in the right way. Amen? So we want to be more persuasive. To who? To God. We want to be more persuasive to God. Amen? Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 5. My family's been on a little journey through the book of Matthew, and a few days ago, maybe, what's today's date? Six. It must have been this morning. It feels like a day ago. It was uh, early morning. And so in verse 1 of chapter 6, take heed, Jesus would say this at, at unique times, and when he said it, it's like, hey, this is really important. And old King James and some of the new King James, Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you. It's like, I'm making an emphasis here. So he's like, you have some responsibility to take heed to this. He says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. Make sure, listen, Make sure you're not trying to persuade people, right? He didn't say don't give. He says don't give it so that men see in this area. Now, let me just say this up front. I'm like, Lord, really? I said, you know, there's a lot of places I could preach something like this because I don't think we're that kind of people, to be quite honest with you. I don't think we're that kind of people. But if you don't preach the truth, you could become any kind of people. Amen. And so sometimes we just need that refresher, that course there. He says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. I underlined that in my Bible. I want to make sure that I don't find myself entrapped 
that I have to do things to persuade you or my wife or my children that I really am a Christian, that I'm really good at this, or that I steal the glory. Steal the glory. Are you with me? Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. He's going to go on, and we'll touch on this a little bit. He said, in other words, that will be your reward. That'll be it. That'll, that'll be what you get. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. I think it was uh, Sunday morning or Sunday night, I'm not sure, but I was sharing in the message that uh, some of our rewards, we have more rewards in heaven than we do on earth. No, I think it was with the students this morning. Did you hear me? No, I want you to most likely be here tomorrow. In Hebrews, some women receive their dead back to life. Some. And then it goes on about others. And it makes this horrific description of others, of what they lost and what they went through. He said, so that they could have a better resurrection. So they can have a better resurrection. I want you to know something. The rewards you did not receive on earth that maybe somebody else did, you're going to have a better resurrection. He said, otherwise you have no reward in heaven. Where you're not rewarded on earth, you're promised a better reward in heaven. That's why we have to have an eternal perspective. That's why we cannot have just a, a theological, denominational, a, a church attendical <laughs> a, a relationship. We need to have a heavenly relationship. Are you with me? Two or three amens tonight wouldn't hurt. All right. All right, go to Genesis. We're going to start the whole thing over. <laughs> Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, so he's not saying don't give charitable deeds. He says, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites. Not only was Paul a little forthright, Jesus was too. I don't, I don't know that his, his style of preaching or teaching would really work well in this culture we live in. I really don't. I, because I don't think people uh, want to receive from that mindset there. Uh, but when you believe something, you present something. A hypocrite, uh, the actual definition is an actor. Okay? Uh, this is what always amazed me in, in, a, in a, uh, American politics. is how persuasive... Actors are, screenplay people, and people vote like they do, but the they that they know is not even them. It's not, it's not even them. They're playing somebody, and people think that somebody is so cool who they're really not that they persuade them through deception. So... We have to be careful. It not only is it an actor, but it is a, a stage player. That's what the definition is. In other words, if I stand up here and I try to persuade you and do all this stuff, and Gretchen says, that's not the real him. We don't do that at home. We don't believe that. We don't read that. We don't pray that. We don't worship that. We don't believe. He talks this way up there to us. I'm just a stage player. I'm just on a stage drawing attention. And, and I know firsthand that in the era that we live in, ERA, in the era that we live in, there's a lot of stage players. There's a lot of people that are preaching something that they're not living. 
And that's not just in this era. It was in that era too. It was in that era too. He said, the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory for men. Now, you just, you put, you put the stakes out there. You, you put the scales out there. I'm, Gretchen, I'm hungry for a steak, by the way. Uh, you, put, you, put, you put it out there. Do you want the glory of God in your life or the glory of men in your life? Do you want the reward of God in your life or the reward of man in your life? You, right, right. I mean, the scales don't even, don't even get close get close. One ounce of the glory of God be worth 100,000 pounds more than the glory of man. Amen. That they may have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. That will be their reward. If you get the praise of man and you're pursuing and you're desiring the praise of man, that the, the acknowledgement of man, the accolation, the accolades of man, you, when you, that is your reward. That's not to say that somebody can't still receive something, but it's only you are responsible for what's really in your heart. Don't deceive to receive, right? You'll still receive if you don't deceive. It might be a little bit further down the road. It might not be accelerated by the work of man, but we're not, listen to me, guys. We are not here for a pat on the back. It's amazing how good we can be at thank you and how poor we can be at thanksgiving. Right? And it's just, just a reminder. It's just a caution that we become that people. We want, we want to be the most humble, gracious, compassionate, true, loving people Scottsboro and the surrounding region has ever encountered. So he goes on and he says, surely I say to you that they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, so in other words, he's saying, do them. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, he said, don't, don't be deceived that you're doing something and losing something at the same time. You're going for a reward, but you're getting a monetary instead of a spiritual. You're getting a pat on the back instead of a, a raising of praise. You know, he said, don't, don't be deceived in the midst of this. He said that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret, that, that brings a lot of faith and a lot of respect to God, that in secret, God can still see, right? Sometimes we need to hide from man to be hidden in God. Sometimes we need to be in a certain place where God looks, where God sees, where there's a greater sense of integrity. You know, if you could really see a tree, and I love these, these artworks of this, where they show the big tree, and especially the mustard seed tree, and they show you how branched out it is, and how spread out in the trunk, and then they give you this underview of the root system, right, the root system. That's where the real blessing's at. Matter of fact, the nourishment that hits the top of a tree even on the tree is the tree's designed to let it go down so it can, it can build that more because if that's built, it can build this, right? So the blessings, listen to me, the blessings are really in secret. They're really in secret. Does that make sense? All right. It could be very helpful. <clears> that you cherish it made secret. Your father who sees in secret will himself, watch this, 
rewards you and open. Man, that tree is beautiful. Look at it blossom. Look at it blossom. Oh, there's fruit on it. All of a sudden, the open reward comes from the secret blessing that is. Verse 5. And when you pray, so he's tying this into prayer, same principle in prayer. When you give charitable deeds to people, you give it to the glory of God. He said, and even when you come to me, when you're giving to me, he says, and when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. That word shall, I know we've talked about this before, and I'm going to emphasize this, is a command. He's saying, do not be like a hypocrite. Don't act like you're praising and not praising. Don't act like you're praying and not praying. Don't act like, don't do it before men that they see it and they see it. But when man's not around you, don't do it or do it. Are you with me? And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. Jesus wasn't really moved or pleased with the hypocrites. But here's the cool thing about Jesus. He could see them when nobody else could. He could see it. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. You know, I was wrestling with something a couple days ago. Maybe this is why this is kind of a little bit on me. We were in a prayer meeting. I think it was Sunday night. And this happens quite often. We're in a prayer time, and I have to go by and kind of kick somebody. like, go pray, you know. And I'm like, why will they not just go do it on their own? And they do sometimes. But I think it's because we're a bunch of people that are not praying to be seen. There's probably some of the greatest prayer warriors sitting in this room, and you may not know it because they don't ever come up and take the microphone. Right? Uh, And so I respect that. But I still want you to pray. Still want you to minister. Still want you to, to have that. But we should have that fear of God inside of us. Am I doing this to be seen? Am I doing this to be heard? Or am I just doing this in a secret place? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets. Listen, that they may be seen by men. Go back to what Paul was saying. Preaching the same thing. Am I persuading God or man? Am I pleasing man? Or please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what you do to please God must come from the spiritual relationship and position you have with God, not from the physical or the carnal. Does that make sense? To please God. Flesh does not please God. Okay? You can read Romans where Paul taught expressively on that. He says that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. That's where it gets tricky. But what good is a reward that is not eternal? I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. I thought it was pretty interesting when uh, the prophet gave the woman who had nothing but a jar of oil uh, an instruction. He said, go in. He said, get all the jars you can. He said, but go in shut the door. Because I'm sure there's a few neighbors who are like, what is she going to do with all those jars? 
And I'm sure the prophet knew that that was the key, if you would, for her reward. You need to do it in private. You need to do it in a secret place. You need to shut that door back there that you're not being seen by man. You need to find a way to to hide yourself. Are you with me? Let me reiterate something just for the uh, nature of man. I'm not thinking of anybody individual whatsoever, okay? So if you're thinking, man, what about this? What about that? Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. He goes on and he says, um, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, this is requiring faith because it makes no sense. You mean to tell me I go in secret where nobody can see me that I can believe that God can see me and that what I do in here that nobody sees, he'll reward it out here. Again, it goes back to the seed. Planted into the ground, nobody sees it. And all of a sudden, it starts to blossom. It starts to grow. The, uh, the, the farm starts to, to produce. Are you with me? He goes again. He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. There, there's, there's three groups of people. One group is hypocrites. The next group is heathens. And the last group is you. When you, 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 and when you pray, and when you give, and when you do this, and when you do that, you are responsible, and I am responsible for me. You are responsible for you. You and I don't have any right to judge anybody else. We don't know what's right and what's wrong. We don't know what people are doing in secret. But we're finding out that what's being done in secret gets rewarded openly. You see blessing on people's life. You see favor on people's life. You see people living in joy and living in happiness. You don't know what they've gone through underneath that chair. You don't know where they've been. You don't know where they've sown their life. I'm saying to you, let's be charitable. I'm saying to you, let, let's be, uh, let's, let's be uh, givers. I'm saying to you, let's give the, all the more that we can. I'm saying to you, let's be people of prayer. I think what's going to take our prayer life here at the church to another level is that we're tending to our personal prayer life, our personal prayer life. That's what it's saying to me here. That's what it's revealing to me. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. Watch out. We start off, don't you persuade people wrong. But we're finding out Jesus taught, be careful. Don't let the ones who are doing it wrong persuade you. Did you hear that? He said, be careful that you won't become like them. We're all becoming someone. We are all developing in our life right now. Uh, Those young students that will be back with us uh, uh, sometime tonight, late tonight, they're, they're watching us. 
They're getting involved with us. They're being taught and influenced, not just by people teaching classes, but people uh, doing life with them and doing life around them. They're going to become somebody. They're going to become somebody. And we need to be careful that we're, we're not persuading them in the wrong way, but we need to be careful that we're not being persuaded ourselves in the wrong way. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things which you have need of before you ask him. He knows what you have need of. That comes you into a place of trust. And if you pray and you don't get it from him, he's realizing you didn't need that. There's something else that you need. Amen? And that's just trusting him. Gretchen and I were talking early this morning. I shared it with the, the staff some this morning. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. You know what that means? Self-governing. He does not need you nor me to tell him how to do things or to get him to do something. Are you with me? And so uh, in this situation, he already knows what you have need of. He's already fully aware of it. Could that be a secret in the conversation? Because I know, I know that, that maybe I've run up to Gretchen and said, hey, I'm using an example. Uh, we should have chicken pot stew tonight. We should have this, we'd have that. And she already had, she's like, you would never ask for chicken pot stew. Why did you just say that? Yeah, well, okay, all right. And so, and me trying to convince her what I want when she already knows what we need. Already knows what we need. And so often we're spinning things with God and we're wondering why we don't have what we need and that we don't have what he knows that we need because we're still asking for what we want. James said it this way. She'd ask amiss. He said, you, you've asked according to your own lust and your own desires. Again, a little forthright. Can you imagine sitting in my office and was like, look, you, you have nothing but lustful prayers. Right? I mean, that, that'd go over real good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be looking for a job. But that's what James is saying. The word is sharp. The word is so powerful, it can make things dead. The letter killeth, the spirit gives life. There's two ways to look at that. I, sometimes I read the word of God, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm turn the page. I'm going to find something I want today, right? It's not a candy store. It's not a supermarket. So he goes on. I'm almost there. He said, he knows what you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. As we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, listen to this, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. You remember Galatians? He gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present age, evil present age. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but since man has been in the garden, Evil is present. Evil is present. I've come to resolve that 
If Israel's at war, the whole world's at war. There's evil present. It's all around us. All around us. And he wants to deliver us from the evil one. That evil one has manifested to where Paul says from this present evil age. It is so spread. But he's saying part of the spread is because of the hypocrites and the heathens. No, no watch that. It, it, it's only a ploy. And God's trying to employ you and me. Pray for laborers of the harvest field. Satan uses people because God uses people. And if you would stop and look at it, it seems like there's a bigger spread of evil than there is of good or of righteousness or of salvation, right? And he's making this connection to the heathens and the hypocrites. We can make a difference in our community. And until we make a difference in our community, we're not going to make as much of a difference in the world, but if we make a difference in our community, we're going to make a difference in the world. God is doing something very unique in our community. We're one of those communities that people are leaving places and coming to live here. Coming to live here. So he's bringing people to us who know people still in New York and California and in Vegas and all these different places. And if, their, if our lives are transformed from hypocrisy to actuality, if our lives are delivered from deception to reality, it's going to affect them. It's a spread. So it's gone from the evil one. I want to point something out in the midst of this. We have this mindset that he says delivered from the evil one, but we have this mindset that everything has to be delivered out of us. No, all possession is not inside, but we can be inside the grip, the mindset, the influence, the persuasion of the evil one. And think that we can be a heathen and still be good with God. Oh, listen, I know it gets really quiet and that kind of stuff because there's a lot of people who know heathens and they're afraid to say they're not right with God. Hypocrites, just because they're in church and they're persuasive and they're, they're articulate and they can do this and do that and also we're just like, oh, you're so cute, you're so sweet, you're so... But you don't see the, the anger, the hatred, the ugliness, the rudeness, the... Because we choose not to look at that. Are you guys with me? He said, and leads us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, from his grips, from his persuasion. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we can say amen or we can read on. For if you forgive men their trespasses, he didn't say if you eat bread daily. He didn't say if, if, if you live in the kingdom daily. He didn't say that, you know, if, he said if you forgive others their trespasses, part of that prayer, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's all right. That's good, isn't it? But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
Jesus was a bit matter of fact. Jesus knows best. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. You're going to be offended in this world. You're going to be sinned against in this world. You're going to be cheated. I was looking at something and it, and it showed, I was looking at a, a news report and it showed this video of a, a guy, and you've seen him, I'm sure you, hopefully you haven't, but um, it's a kind of little camera, you know, out there. And this guy is walking across the street in California, 5.40 p.m., daylight, pushing a stroller. And the guy leaves the driveway, walks across, and just cold cocks him. Hardest left blow you could see. He just knocks the guy to the floor. Stroller falls over a big, and then just gets his vehicle and drives off. Drives off. Don't even know each other. Just a random, brutal act. We live in an evil world. That man is going to have to find a place to forgive that man. He's going to have to. He's going to have to. There's some creepy things that are going on in this world. Don't let it persuade you. Listen to me. I said everything I said right there to get to this point. Do not let this creepy, evil, present age persuade you that you have the right to be angry, hateful, thievery, uh, immoral. That I watch it all the time. Things happen in church and people are like, that's my chance. Now I can go and I can blame it on the church. I can blame it on the church and I can go be this way. It's not true. It doesn't work that way. Don't let the evil one have that grip on you. Don't let him have that hold on you. Are you with me? Let's stand to our feet. Please. Perhaps you'd like to pray this prayer with me by faith, and I would encourage you after you pray with me to um, find a place in your own life to go into that private room and look this over. Uh, if you don't agree with this prayer, it's not your prayer, that's, that's totally fine. I'm just feeling led this way. Dear Lord, forgive me of any hypocrisy in my life. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me from being a heathen and forgive me of any heathenism in my life. Jesus, help me to not be deceived, persuaded in the wrong direction. If I were to marvel you, I want to marvel you with my faith not with the fake. Jesus, tonight, as we sang, I give it all to you. I surrender to you. Thank you for teaching me, Lord. Show me your way. Now help me to pray in such manner, to believe with such faith, and to follow you with such obedience. I desire to be a true Christian 
no matter the cost. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day and every day my daily bread. Forgive me of all my trespasses. Help me to forgive others. Jesus, I need you. And whatever good happens in my life, I will give you all the glory, all the power, all the praise. Lead me in truth. Guide me in your path. And keep me free from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.